Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. Yeah, it's that Sunday in Advent, whether you realize it or not. Those of you who follow um, like an Advent wreath where there's uh, four candles and one of them's pink. I know some Advent wreaths are different, but for those that have the pink uh, candle as part of their uh, setup. Um, that's actually for the third Sunday, which is today. And, and that one is because it's for joy. And that's why the readings and so forth rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. And it's a great time of year to rejoice, isn't it? I mean, Christmas is coming. There's the decorations, there's the food and the baking and the gatherings and the letters and the cards and everything that goes with it. Rejoice. But then again, perhaps you're of a mindset that is more like Christmas is coming. And then there's the decorations and the baking and the cards and the gatherings and oh my goodness. Doesn't matter where you are today. I would invite you to just take a few minutes pause as you are already, but to let your minds and your hearts, let them hear through the word a message that is hopefully going to be one of great joy. But we live in a fallen world, and that's why we may find it very challenging at times. Two Sundays in a row, if you will, where we are faced with inexplicable tragedies, this time at the hands, so to speak, of some deadly tornadoes. Can't even imagine. Loved one goes off to work, working the night shift because of their working round the clock. It's that time of year, it got to produce. It's the busiest time. And to think that that may have been the last time that you were going to see them. How do you make sense of that? How does that fit into our worldview. I'm sure you've perhaps wrestled with that very personally. And if you haven't, it most likely will happen. Where you are caught in something that is more than just a philosophical debate of why and how and how to make sense of it. It's something that is, well, It's something that can just tear us apart. I don't know if you're familiar, there's a a gentleman by the name of Rabbi Harold Kushner. And uh, several decades ago, in fact, his book goes back, wrote a bestseller, and it was called um, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And maybe the title alone will indicate why so many people bought that book and it's still uh, in some circles very popular. He is a speaker. I don't know how much speaking he's doing uh, currently. I think he's well into his 80s. But his book was based on 
Two things, one, his own experience of suffering with their one son, Aaron was his name, and, um, and he and his wife, um, I don't know how old the, the child was when he was diagnosed with something called uh, progeria, which is the premature aging disease. Very unusual. But that somebody for, uh, again, because of this disease, actually ages a lifetime in a very short amount of time. And, um, and their son Aaron died when he was just 14 years of old, but his body was like that of, a, of an old man. So the suffering that, that they went through and observed in their son. And then he also, being a rabbi, he certainly threw himself into the scriptures and the book of Job, which many have come to appreciate, at least come to realize is quite quite a volume on the topic of suffering. And, and again, if you're not familiar with the story of Job, it's basically best case scenario of a person who experiences about the worst case scenario of suffering. And the book is, is dealt with um, wrestling with that, questions, uh, dialogues between friends and Job and God and Job. And, and oh, it is very challenging. But on the basis of those two experiences, Rabbi Kushner in his book really kind of boiled it down in, in a very, uh, and I appreciate a very simple way, uh, if it seems overly simplistic, uh, perhaps, but, but he basically said this, on the basis of, of those experiences, he said, we've got really two choices. Namely, one is, if God is God, and what he means by that is if God is truly indeed in control of everything, that there isn't a thing in this world including tornadoes or, or mentally disturbed people, if there anything that takes place must come through God somehow. Either he initiates it or, if nothing else, he allows it or permits it. So he would say, if God is God and these terrible, terrible things happen in our world, then he concludes, the conclusion would be that God is not good if he allows that to happen. The other option that he would put forth is to say, but, however, and this is the one that he uh, would prefer, and that is if God is good. In other words, he does not want people to suffer. He wants people to experience peace and, and wholeness and, and restoration and joy and blessings throughout their days. Then if that is truly who God is, then he must not be God. In other words, there must be some things that he cannot control, be it in nature or in humanity. So if God is God, he's not good. If God is good, he's not God. I don't know where you might be with those options, if you will. 
I would imagine, again, anyone who's struggled with the question of suffering has certainly identified with, with either or both of them at some point. Rabbi Kushner, though, doesn't stop there. He, he as part of his um, conclusions, and, and he would say, you know, the question, why me? Which is a very common, very common. And he would say it's not just a question of um, that once understanding or explanation, rather it's a cry for help that wants consolation. But he would say, perhaps that's not the right question at all. That it's really not why me, but what am I going to do about it now? And he uses this phrase, he says that, um, that God is very incarnational. Namely, that human beings are God's language. Now, what he means by that is when people cry out to God in times of sorrow and suffering and, and asking for mercy and help and care, that God speaks to them through human beings. That it's through the people around that actually do God's bidding. And isn't that really true? I mean, what is happening in Kentucky? Are not these communities that know nothing of this kind of devastation and tragedy, are they not coming together to do some amazing things where ordinary people are now doing some extraordinary things of reaching out and people all over the country, all over the world, I would imagine, are contributing prayers and thoughts and money and resources and so forth. Human beings are God's language and how true that is. But having said all that, I just don't know whether I feel that the two options that, that he put out in his book are all there are. There's certainly a part of me that hopes there, there's got to be a better explanation than that because neither one of them seems to really capture what, what I believe God shares in his word. You know that question, why me? I could see I'm going to twist it a little bit, change it, but I think you can re recognize the same question. But I'm going to use these three words. Who am I? Who am I that deserve this, Lord? Who am I? It's really saying why? Now, the reason I say it that way is because maybe it gives us an option or an opportunity to consider a different perspective. I would imagine nearly everyone's heard of King David. Boys and girls, King David, he was the one that as a shepherd boy, he took a sling because he faced the, uh, the giant. Anybody know what his name was, boys and girls, the giant that David uh, slew? Go ahead, you can say it. Goliath. 
Goliath, yeah. So you know the story of David. He started out that way, had incredible faith. He became a soldier, a warrior, a general, had a fascinating relationship with the then king, Saul. It was his boss, his king, but also his father-in-law. And it was just, oh, wow. Talk about all kinds of complicated uh, drama. Um, David's life had it, and he certainly did know suffering. He certainly did know pain. Have you ever read through some of the Psalms that David has written? And it's so bare. It's so raw. Why, Lord? Why do you let the evil prosper while those who are true to you must suffer? David understood. Who am I? But I also, in light of this theme that we're talking about, unexpected favor, I also want to share with you an account or a part of a story where David used that same question but differently. David had become king and things were going very, very well and the kingdom had spread and he was, had access to resources and wealth and he built himself an incredible palace. But then when he saw the Ark of the Covenant, God's dwelling place, still in a tent, he said, I want to build God a house and I mean a really big, grand, glorious house. But God said, no. No, David, you're not the guy to do that. We'll have your son do that. You can get things ready. But rather, God switched it around and he said, David, you want to build me a house, but I am going to build you a house. And here the house, word house was not used as a physical structure, but rather as a dynasty, a kingdom, a family tree. And he says, I'm going to build you a house that's going to last forever, your kingdom. And it says, David went in before the Lord and said, who am I to have deserved this? Unexpected favor from the Lord. Do you remember when it was announced to Mary by Gabriel that she was going to have a baby? And in her incredulity, the angel said, Hey, your relative Elizabeth in her old age is six months pregnant. And so Mary said, may it be to me as you said, but then what did she do? She went to go see for herself Elizabeth. And as she entered the house, you know the account from Luke chapter one, where she calls out for Elizabeth and Elizabeth comes out and says, who am I? In so many words, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come here? For when your greeting reached my ears, the babe in my womb, namely John the Baptist, before he was born, six months pregnant, he leapt for joy. Who am I to have deserved this? You see, Rabbi Kushner does well in saying that we sometimes ask the wrong question. And if his question is why bad things happen to good people, I guess maybe I'm wondering whether that even is not the right presupposition or question. But rather, in light of the fallenness, yes, of the world, but of us as human beings. 
and the reality of who we are as people before God, I wonder if a better question might not be, why do good things happen to bad people? Who are we to receive the grace of God? Who are we to receive God's unconditional love? Who are we to have the blessings that we do, be it family or belongings or home or job or, or friends or, or community or resources or church or, or whatever it might be? Who are we to deserve these things? unexpected favor. Now that is not to say that that takes away the suffering that we experience or that it somehow diminishes it or, or gets rid of it. But rather, when we have the perspective that says, who am I, Lord, that I've even had as many blessings as you've given to me, Perhaps then we can get to that question when suffering does come, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to be the person through whom God speaks his language of human beings to assist someone else in a time of suffering? Not to answer their question and give them a definitive answer of why, but rather to simply give your regrets, your apologies, I'm sorry that you're going through this, and then to simply be quiet, to hold a hand, to take care of a very, what seems to be small physical need, but just to do that, to be God's language in how we live our lives. Unexpected favor? I know it's hard, it's hard to even comprehend under certain circumstances, under many circumstances. But through the incarnation, that's a fancy way of saying something becoming human. And you see, I don't know whether Rabbi Kushner realized this when he said that. Of course, as a rabbi, as Jewish, he has a different view of Jesus and the incarnation. But can you see? When he says that human beings are God's language, not just human beings in general, but one specific human being is God's language. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why it's so important to know that Jesus became human. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And yes, he knew suffering. He knew suffering in any way and every way that we can imagine. But he took it on as his mission to give us the unexpected favor that we don't deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds 
in Christ Jesus. Amen.